Welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. So is there an argument for having a non-exclusive music catalog? Is it possible that keeping control of all your songs to really just do with them pretty much what you want at any time is the best way to proceed? We hear all sorts of things about non-exclusive versus exclusive and uh, perpetuity and all these things. Mm-hmm. And we're told that the big money is in exclusive sync libraries. Well, there is a lot of reasons that I want to go over today that maybe, just maybe, he says for dramatic effect, (laughs) that you should consider keeping a portion, if not a big portion, of your catalog non-exclusive. So should we focus mainly on having a non-exclusive catalog of music? That's what we're kind of talking about today. But first, a man who does quite well uh, with mainly a non-exclusive catalog of music. My podcast partner for this number 42 podcast of the Make Music Income podcast, Mr. Stevie B. Hello, my friends. I I think one one of the cool things that we've always been in agreement about is the fact that uh, there's a I think there's a really strong argument to be made for having both non-exclusive and exclusive music. And I think that there's room for both in today's sync world, even though I seem to be, uh, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of uh, work that I'm getting in the non-exclusive <laughs> sphere, which I'll talk about a little bit in my uh, weekly recap I here. But that's uh, not something that people would not want. They would want yeah. to be overwhelmed with work, uh, especially if they know it's leading to money. So yeah. what have you been up to this week, man? What's been going on? Uh, well, I've had a great week so far. I had uh, I did my 80s scoring contest yesterday. We were kind of right. poking fun at you at the end of the live stream. We were wondering, I'm where's... I'm going to have to watch. Uh, <laughs> we were wondering, I, where's I, Eric's submission? <laughs> he yeah, had, I'm going to have 80s. to look through that again. I do know the 80s. Yeah, enjoy um, the 80s. <laughs> so I yeah, had a great time that stream. It was one of the, it was one of the most... I don't know, just entertaining streams of I've ever done. Everyone's submission was so awesome, um, and I um, yeah, I'm going to announce the uh, the winners soon on the academy. Uh, some prizes uh, for the winners, and um, yeah, UJAM was nice enough to sponsor the contest for me, which is really cool of them cool. to do that. Um, what else is new? So I just signed on with a new library. That's kind of a, a big one. And uh, I had a really nice, long uh, discussion with one of their team members over Zoom. A um, non-exclusive library? They do both. This is the interesting okay. thing. Um, they have both different types of contracts um, and uh, serve a lot of different customers. Um, and they're they're Canadian, which is cool. Um, they're, they're based out of Toronto and um, they're serving all sorts of different markets. They have relationships with, uh, with networks here in Canada um, and they're looking for Canadian um, uh, content creators. So it was sort of a natural good fit. Um, and you know, I uh, was, I really appreciated the fact that they took the time to, to have a call with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, I picked, their brain for like an hour <laughs> and they were happy to, to answer all my questions and it was a really really uh, enlightening uh, discussion and I can't say the same for all of the libraries that have gotten that have got I've gotten in touch with me and I just got to see you know, I kind of ranted about this on the end of my live stream yesterday but um, you know I just think that uh, it's a tough sell you know for a library to expect uh, you to hand over the, your music to them in perpetuity um, in an exclusive contract without developing some kind of relationship. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I just believe in, you know, th- that it's all about building relationships and rapport with, with the people you're working with. And, I, and anyway, I really appreciated the time that they, 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 you know, they set aside to talk to me about everything. So that was cool. That was a big, you know, bonus for me. And now I'm really stoked to work with them. So I'm going to be signing that contract today and starting to send them music. And it's going to take a while because I've got to send them stems and all that. You know, it's it's a process. Mm-hmm. So um, other than that, 
I commissioned a new uh, personal computer, uh, a oh. non-Apple computer. It was a it was a tough decision. I was mulling it all you know over the last two weeks, and I am going to slowly. Uh, jump ship from Apple, and I'm going wait, to... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just got a brand new M1 and went through that whole deal, right? Yeah, but it's 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 not powerful enough. That's the problem. I'm just... What? It, yeah, it's it's just not... Like, I want something that's a beast, Eric. You know, I want I want a beast here. I don't. I want something that is overkill for what I'm doing. Uh, mm-hmm. With some of my sessions, especially the orchestral stuff, like some of the yeah. sample libraries, the M1 is just like, it's, it's good, but it's like, it, you know... I don't want, I want any of that lag. I don't want the system overload. Now, I'm, t- I'm tired of are it. Are you running? Are you completely native in M1 with everything, or is some run st- some stuff run through Rosetta? No, I think it's all native stuff. now. I think it's all been updated. All the native all instruments is still not native instruments. If you're running anything with Contact or anything, it's I, I'm not sure if Contact is M1, but no, yeah, almost everything in native instruments is still has to be run through Rosetta. From what I understand. Oh, I thought it was all updated now. I'm not sure. I don't. I, and it does it in the background. You don't see it. I just don't right, think it's right. native yet. Um, well, regardless, I've, you know, I w- I've just been thinking about the, 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 the big issue for me is having to let go of logic. And that's gonna, oh, that's the tough one for me. Um, get, making like a custom built PC is a, is, a, is a no-brainer. I think that's something that is going to last me for a long time. Um, the specs and you can I, update it. Exactly. You can update it. The specs I got on it are just going to absolutely like spank the M1. It's just it, it's a really really powerful computer, but mm. but yeah, moving away from logic is is the tougher part. Um, I've been and, messing around with Cubase a little bit, as you know, and I think that there's some potential there, but you know, also Ableton is a is a possibility as well. So I don't like Ableton. I can see uh, Cubase um, you know what? People are, believe it or not, people are starting to rave about Reaper. And, yeah, I know. Uh, it's another one you have to check out. I saw a video yesterday of a guy, uh, and they're talking about switching to Reaper for mastering. Yeah, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not an expensive DAW, and it's not a payment DAW. Yeah. Think, is Cubase on a payment, or is it just you buy it and you're done? I think you, you just buy it, I think. I, I got a, uh, like a, like a like a free license for it because... <clears throat> I don't know if I should mention do a them, review. Or yeah, something. I'm going to do like some some content creation for them, but um, yeah, the I think it's just a payment. But I know like there's some there's some interesting DAWs that people rave about. Like Studio One um, is another one that yeah. people talk a lot about. Um, yeah, Reaper, Bitwig isn't that the free DAW? <laughs> yeah, Bitwig is is kind of I've a, never tried a, a small player, but yeah, uh, I think Studio One. I think people like Studio Cubase. One. You're not going to lose anything going from Logic to Cubase as far as strength. Um, as far as plugins, or- maybe orchestral. But, uh, yeah, well, the 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 stock plugins. I th- I think Logic is is a winner when it comes to the stock stuff. Uh, that's they have some of the best stock plugin or plugins. Well, that uh, is big news. Switching from. I know. Uh, switching from lot from Logic and Mac. Well, oh well another th- another thing that I find that the M1, you know, my Mac Mini lags on a little bit, and uh, this just, it could be the RAM too. I only have sixteen gigs uh, gigabytes of RAM in it, but it's the video editing is slow on it too. Like it just it's just annoying. So I bought like. What new, do you use for video editing? Well, I use Premiere Pro. Cut? No, Pre- Premiere Pro. I well, know that it. if I use Final Cut, it probably would be faster, but um, mm-hmm. I've always been an, an Adobe guy. I'm like, that's just another thing that I'm like, oh, I got to switch over again. It's probably not that different, but um, yeah, if, I, if I'm running Premiere Pro on, on, the, on the PC with the specs that I got coming up on it with the new graphics card and the and 64 yeah. gigabytes of RAM, it's just going to crush it. It's I'm, I'm excited. So wow. anyway, um, that's happening. I'm finishing up uh, my trip. Send me your M1. Just send that on this way if you want. You want me to mail it over? To yeah, you? just mail it on over. <laughs> so laptop. Is it a laptop or a Mac Mini? No, it's a Mini. It's a box. Oh. A little no, gray box. A Never mind. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So finishing up my uh, my trip hop project for Artlist Originals today. I'm wrapping that wrapping that one up. And exciting news! I finally finished uh, my collab with. Uh, my good buddy uh, Man Siege from India. Um, we've been working on a hip hop or lo-fi track for like quite some time now, and uh, we finally finished it up. I submitted it to Artlist um, yesterday. They got back to me right away, and they were they were um, stoked on it. So that's going to get onboarded, 
and uh, that'll be my first uh, collab um, to go public, I guess, um, in, uh, in in Artlist and in Spotify, I suppose. Actually, I had one collaboration on Spotify, but um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and so you just threw down some excellent ideas for it, and uh, I want to do more of that kind of stuff. It was really, really fun. Did we talk about in our last podcast your big your big month with Motion Array? I don't know if we talked about it. Oh yeah, well I still have to make a like I was going to make a video about it. Um, oh, okay, so uh, we'll, I'll, we'll I'll keep maybe it save wraps. that for next week just because of the I had the live stream and the podcast just know on the it channel. It was good. It was a good one, and I'll get into the details as to why it was a good one uh, in yeah. in a video next week for sure. It's uh, gonna be but, a good video. Yeah, yeah, I'll leave it to that. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, I also have been, uh, I have some songs that I pitched to a library and they like them and they want more. This is a new exclusive library. As nice. far as I know, it's exclusive. I don't know what the exclusivity and the uh, options are for perpetuity. Have you seen um, the contract yet? No, no, we're not at that point. They, okay. they, they like the songs. They had accepted me actually months ago, maybe like earlier this year mm -hmm. and I was just waiting to have the right thing to send them for my first album to get you know because because it's a nice library and I was like okay I want to really come in with something strong and unique and helpful to them yeah. you know as a library rather than just throwing whatever I got up there and a lot of what I do is so out of out of the box and and kind of uh seasonal or um a lot of religious stuff or piano stuff. It's it's outside of the use of everybody. You know, I needed something that was a little bit more down the middle, useful for commercials and mute and TV and stuff like that. And so I finally cool. had been working on this one project that I I sent them, and they liked the four of them, four out of the six songs. And they said, "I just we just need six more to complete the library and I mean complete this album." and onboard it and so is, i don't know if that as far as i know it's an exclusive deal i don't know about the perpetuity is, I, I, are they looking they're always looking for like 10 tracks per album that kind of sounds thing? like that, it yeah yeah they, yeah, they, they prefer to have a 10 song album which is pretty much what our friend jesse says it's on, pretty standard uh, yeah on on sync my music that's what he always talks about is yeah. that you want to send a 10 song album um it, it because yeah. if you do and they like it then the job is done and the contract comes fast. If, if you do like, I know Clint uh, at Clint Music, he suggests sending five songs. And so I sent an incomplete album. Well, they only end up liking four of the, of the five songs or six songs. So now I have to create more and I need to move quickly because I don't want to lose the interest. So, you know, this is another, if you're an exclusive person or looking to get into sync licensing, this is another uh, thing for making a, a 10 song album and mm -hmm. putting it up so um absolutely i uh, need to think about that so that's going on uh I, i've already got others i've already got another one done actually that i hadn't put up there that i think they're going to like and then i have several more uh, cool. and i'm talking to some of my partners about getting involved in drummers getting involved in, in musicians um i finished a massive orchestral ballad that is not going to really probably do anything. I might put it on, it might go on non-exclusive libraries, but it's it's really more of a personal song that I wrote with my uncle. It's a religious song, and uh, but I just took it down an orchestral path, and you know when you do that, you're in for a lot of work because oh, yeah, totally. you got to start with the basses, you know, or I'll start with like MIDI strings. And mm -hmm. then I'll just then it, that just kind of map it out, and then you got to start orchestrally developing it from the bottom. Yeah, know, or at least I do. I and, start with the basses and, and the then, cellos, and then you got to start like getting doing all the fine tuning with like the modulation and and, oh, and, that and stuff. And all the it's, voice it's leading quite, and all the you yeah. know all the rules about octaves and fifths and all that kind of stuff you got to watch and, and percussion and all that stuff. So it just took forever, but it's done. I just have to mix it now. Nice. Um, I have a big interview coming with someone uh, in in our space. I don't want to announce it yet because I don't want to jinx it, and I want to you know kind of get it ready or put it out as kind of a because uh, it's a big person in the space in the music I should say space, not necessarily licensing, but again, you know I try to do so many things on this channel that are not just licensing based, even though we might touch on licensing in this, but this is a multi hundred thousand 
subscriber person. Cool. And so uh, exciting to have uh, him on the show and awesome. talk about stuff. Um, then I'm working on kind of changing my label around to be more of a, a licensing and distribution label and kind of turn it from a Christian gospel record label that it's been for 25 years into a more combo positive label and non-exclusive licensing company. It's, it, it, I've been trying to figure out what to do with this, as you know, for the whole time we've known each other. I, as I'm transitioning from being a producer for artists to a licensing person and focusing on focusing on developing a catalog and 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 doing all that kind of stuff and being a composer. Yeah. Now I'm trying to change that over because it's just it's not even that it's not growing. I just have no interest in growing it, and so I need to kind of change it into something that will still bring income uh, as as helping them, helping me, helping us all type of deal. It's kind of like my version of your academy. This is what I've been right. doing for the past 20 years uh, for clients and trying to, and a lot of them have already come over to the dark side uh, of licensing <laughs> rather than artistry. But we end up releasing their songs as artist songs too on Spotify under their brand. And then we also use them in licensing things. So kind of trying to do that. If you're listening or watching this and you might be interested in being part of this, it'll be under positive spin songs most likely, but uh, it's, it's, it's an artist side of that. Cool. Artist slash partner side of that. And I've been loading up more to Motion Array and to all um, non-exclusive libraries. And I signed on the dotted line with Crucial for a few covers, Crucial Music, and um, that's non-exclusive. So those, all those things I was just talking about, especially Motion Array, Crucial, is what leads us back to our argument today. It's not, not that we're going to fight about it, but because um, I don't think Steve has anything against uh, non-exclusive music. Certainly but, I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm not going to take the other side either. So we're, we're yeah. going to have a, a very peaceful, loving conversation <laughs> about non-exclusive music today. When do we but, not uh, have a peaceful, loving conversation? <laughs> we need to argue. We need more drama on this podcast. We need po point counterpoint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll we'll, we'll take different sides of a thing, but usually true. Not, true. not really. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about that's an ex, I think the biggest reason for having a non-exclusive catalog is the ability to have them available for any and every possible use that might come along, mm -hmm. excluding maybe one small one. But we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Especially when it comes to. So let's just start with the what we consider the big thing in licensing, which is TV, film, commercials, slash advertising, yeah. and maybe video games and things like that. Yeah. Do these <clears throat> clients that are taking these songs, now let's not talk about libraries. Let's not talk about Crucial or, or whoever library that we might be signed with. Do the people that get the music care if they are non-exclusive is the first question I have. Well, what do you mean? You, do they care? The music supervisors, the sync agents, the clients or companies, do they care that they're only available in this one place by, by it, like a library that they have to get it from? And unless they get it from that library and know that no one else can use it. And my, my thought about that is, no, they don't care because hmm. if they did, they'd never use a Rolling Stones song. Because a lot of people can, if they can pay for it, can use that Rolling Stones song. It's not exclusive to any one library. It's exclusive to the Rolling Stones is who it's exclusive to. I guess we really are kind of talking about exclusive music because it's my exclusive music or your exclusive music. But we're, we're working non-exclusively with it so that no one, only one person can use it. It's a really interesting question. Yeah, and I, I, I would have to agree with you that I don't think that the music supervisors really care about exclusivity. Um, certainly the music supervisor reached out to me about one of my tracks on Artlist for, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a TV show um, that Certain he was working news. on. D was already well aware that it wasn't exclusive because, you know, right. other thousands of people are downloading this same track all over the world. So um, I don't know if that really factors into it. I think that... You know, maybe some networks have like, you know, these exclusive relationships with libraries um, and maybe feel like that, you know, that it's kind of cool that they're getting music that is like only kind of, you know, for them. 
um, and then once it gets signed over, no one else gets to use it, and there might be something special there. I don't know, but like I think I, music I, supervisors probably. I don't. don't think I have watched one video, and I've watched dozens, if not hundreds, of videos where music supervisors are talking to somebody on some show or something, and not one of them has said, "I only will get songs from exclusive music libraries." So if I find a, if I need a song for a school dance, I'm only getting an exclusive song. I've never heard anybody say that. They say, I need the song I need. Mm-hmm. And wherever I find it, if it's pre-cleared and it's all good and I can get it quickly and easily, that's all I care about. I, I don't care if it get, because even if they get it from an exclusive library, 40 other shows could get that same song from that same exclusive library and use it. So it's not well, really exclusive. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's you know not really I mean? exclusive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we think so much about it's a little like being signed to a record label, right? And you go to the record label and you go to the, the A&R guy and you say, I want to be signed by your label. And we're so focused on getting signed by a label, getting signed by a label. But when we get signed by a label, after that, the real client is everyone in the world who's going to hear it and their use of it. They And and. We don't focus on that. We focus on the gatekeeper so much that we wor- that we, we, we might not be uh, worried about the actual end user of our songs. Mm-hmm. And even you could argue that it's not the music supervisor isn't the end user, but the viewer on TV or in the film or advertising client is the end user. Well, I guess that kind of like makes me wonder about what the incentive is for, you know, these uh, uh these like TV and production libraries to have exclusive contracts with their with their authors. If they just opened up their their contracts to ha- being non-exclusive, would they not have access to more music more readily available? What's and I think that's where we get into who really cares about exclusivity. Yeah, the only people who really care about exclusivity are the exclusive libraries who want to have those songs and have them only. Yes. In other words, nobody else can have them to use except them. There's only one place you can come and get this song. Yeah. And when you think about it, that's great for them. But is it is it the best for us? Is it the best for us getting uses for our songs? What if you had decided to sign not with Artlist, but with another company that was exclusive, which means you couldn't put any of those songs on Motion Array. You couldn't sign them also to other deals. You couldn't do deals with Google or whoever that comes along to have you do something that and use a song, and I'm, I'm not saying you did, but use a song that's already an art list or maybe that, that exclusive library wouldn't want you to put it on Spotify and think of all the money that you've made on Spotify with Artlist. We'll talk about that in a minute. All the things that Artlist has brought and still, those are non-exclusive songs you could put in Pond Five if you want to. Yeah, well, I know? think I think that there's like like a conflict of interest thing for for the for the li- these libraries that have exclusive contracts because it's like okay, well, say they have an author that they like, you know, they like the music, they like the album, um, and to have a non-exclusive contract is really just agreeing to to like that author selling that music anywhere else. So like, why would this, you know? exclusive library who has say a, a relationship with a network be like here's our catalog at you know x price um and you can also go go download this from motion array and artless for free if you wanted with no restrictions on the on the on the use at all so where that that completely undercuts the 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 business deal right so i think from a from from the, a library's perspective it makes sense to have that exclusivity um like you know but but yeah i mean like you said it's kind of an interesting point there there seem they really are the only ones who care about that exclusivity because i think that the end user you know um probably doesn't care they just want the the right music for the right content you know at the end of the day i'm not speaking ill of these exclusive libraries because they likely are going to work their their library they're going to be the only place that a lot of people can find these these high end hopefully songs that they are signing yeah and so um they they are going to their clients and saying hey listen you need to listen to our songs because you can't get these anywhere else and so exactly yeah that but i'm not sure when i think it through that a music supervisor goes you know what i appreciate that i can't get this anywhere else and that is a cool song but i here's the song i need do you have this song? I need a song that sounds like this for this scene or for this song or for this commercial yeah. or for this video game. And if the exclusive library doesn't have it, the client is still going to say, 
good for you and all your exclusive songs, but I need another song. And if they find it from Steve, Stevie B up in Canada and they just find that you have it, they could contact you directly, which they have before, and do the mm-hmm. deal with you directly. And that's just as fine with them. Now, the exclusive libraries, I will, on their, on their side, I will say that they make it easy for the person to know it's cleared. But That's exactly so does right. Artlist. Um, so does and and if you are if you have your stuff together as a as a composer, and you have all your ducks in a row, you can make it quick and easy for them to clear it as well. Oh yeah, totally. And so the I think some of some of the exclusive libraries would say, well, they know us. We've we've been in, and especially if the ones that are tied into like a BMG or to a Universal or something like that. Yeah, and they can say, hey. Yeah, but we they trust automatically. There's no like, oh, is it going to be cleared? Am I going to get in trouble? All that kind of stuff. So right. that's probably one of the things that exclusive libraries have going for them. But I wouldn't say, but I'll tell you that uh, a library we're going to talk about in a minute, which is crucial, they make me sign just as complicated a contact, uh, contract and ask all the same questions that an exclusive library would. Yeah, and I can yeah. still do anything else I want with the song. Right. You know? And they're still pitching, and I can. What's really cool about Crucial, and I'm going to do a review on them soon, but is that you can see the pitches that they do. They will put. They will put. Well, we pitched this song for this. We pitched this cool. song for this. I like yeah, that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There's not a ton of them, but still, it's very cool to see. Um, that is cool to see. Yeah. So that's my that's my first thing is to have them have your songs available for anyone in TV film, uh, a music supervisor for a TV show or a movie or a company. That needs the song. Um, like, for instance, a, a company came to me a year ago looking for, to, for you to use a song they found on Spotify, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to d- work directly with me and they wanted to buy out the song. Well, I at the time, I had just signed that song to an exclusive library. Now, it, because he had not released it yet, he was he was uh, and, and and that that contact did not come through them it came directly to me he was nice enough to let me that song out of the contract should it be accepted it, and it, in the long run it wasn't taken by the company and it's now back accepted with him and another collection of songs yeah but um still uh that is something that couldn't have happened if it was signed to an exclusive library mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. and that was going to be a thirty thousand dollar payday you know, from yeah, right. from that company right. to take that song. And that would not have been possible if I'd signed an exclusive contract, um, whether it was in perpetuity or not, whether, even if it was just two or three years, I wouldn't have been able to make the deal. So th- I think having your songs available for all for these uses is, 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 is really important. And then the next piece is, I think, YouTube and social media yes. and having them available for... Uh, for those uses, yes, there's there's just so much that you can do with a song um, that you know. In the way I see it, like an exclusive uh, agreement is a tough sell. Um, mm-hmm. And when I engage in those kinds of agreements, uh, I mean, I with Artlist, I write, I do both, right? We I have non-exclusive material and then music that I just straight up sell to them, and that's you know an exclusive deal because they own it; they're buying it out. It's like a work for hire. Um, and I like that because I'm being compensated for the fact that like, I don't, uh, you know, that I'm giving this music away and like, and they're going to make money on it in forever. Um, so it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I'm still uncomfortable about signing, um, exclusive contracts with, with TV and sync libraries. Um, but I think it's more just that I haven't found, um, uh, like that, that production TV library that I trust enough with the exclusive exclusive contract to, 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 to do active pitching and like get me uh, placements down the road. I know that it exists, um, but it, it is always been sort of a tough sell for me. And I, I just like the freedom of being able to do whatever the heck I want with my non-exclusive material, including uh, collecting streaming royalties on, uh, you know, from DSPs. It's a real bonus to be able to do that. And then beyond that for myself, you know, like I can do things like, uh, you know, use those same tracks and, and, and open up the sessions to the Academy and like, and, you know, do whatever the heck I want with it. And like, I can make uh, remixes of it and, uh, and, and it's, it's mine, you know, I'm free to do whatever the heck I want with it. And that's, and that's nice. Um, so well, t- well, t- I've got some other uses and income that don't affect non-exclusive catalogs down below. Right. The, 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 probably the, the restriction 
of being with an exclusive library and is and, and even certain deals with non-exclusive companies like Artlist is that you cannot control the content ID of those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, they Any library that is um, going to be using these is going to want that content ID income, that possible content ID income. Art, Artlist requires, takes that part for the songs you sign with them. Is that correct? Yeah, well, they've just started... I think they've they're finally developed their content ID system, and now they're collecting content ID um, for for the non-exclusive material for for the exclusive too. Although I just don't I don't uh, see a part of that um, revenue stream for uh, the, the music they're buying from me because they own it. But um, with the non-exclusive stuff, the idea is that yeah, like that will be included in the. Uh, in in the payouts um, at some point, oh, okay. although although I think that it's been in development, I, I'm not totally sure. Uh, I th- I think it's something they've been working on for a couple of years now. But I, I, from what I see, it's actually in effect now. Although um, I don't know how it's going to work with um, clearing claims and stuff. It's a little bit. It's still like kind of gray area to me. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, um, cl- like say for example, I was talking about this with the the the, some, the person I was speaking to the other day on the library, but. Um, if it's non-exclusive material and Artlist has it registered in their content ID system and someone buys that same track from a different library, are they going to be able to clear that claim uh, even though they didn't purchase it from Artlist? Like, how's that How's that going to work? Does that make sense? Like, like it, sh- it should theoretically be easy to clear the claim no matter where you bought the 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 track even though it's registered with a content id system proprietary to artlist how's that going to work well if they get it from artlist they go to artlist to clear the claim right but say they got it from audio jungle because the same track is on audio jungle but it's not then they go to audio jungle and clear the claim so it doesn't matter that they got uh, a claim from artlist content id system even though they got it from a different library they just use the library to clear the claim is that how it works I, I believe so, and, and and it if I thought that your art list stuff you were not allowed to put on identify. No, you're, you're not, not, right? You're, you're okay. not, right? So, but, but but another question I have is like, is could I personally clear a claim for somebody um, that if they got say say I don't think so. Yeah, because say like say I I like, because the music is not exclusive and technically I should be able to do whatever I want with it. Say I someone reaches out to me personally and says, "Hey, I really like this track um, of yours. I'd love to use it on my on my YouTube video." And I'm like, I just give him the file or her the file, and then they get a claim from Artlist. Could they? Could I clear that claim for them? I think your better option is to send them to Audio Jungle to 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 buy it, and then and then clear let let. Uh, clear it because what they have to do uh, I just made a video on this as you know I just made a long video about content ID and identify and I looked up the information directly from YouTube and directly from Motion Array Uh, that's the example I use was Motion Array's uh, claims page so if you get a copyright claim after you download something from Motion Array yeah if you should get a copyright claim you come to Motion Array and you say hey I got a copyright claim they say fine put this language in the YouTube Go to YouTube, say, it's clear, I paid for it, and here's the language for that. Now, could you come up with language for that as, a, as, as you know, your company name? I don't, you, uh, and, you're, and someone comes to you and wants to clear it, I guess that you could. Well, you could say, please tell YouTube that I give you perfect uh, rights to this. And I yeah, bet yeah. YouTube runs into this so often that they clear stuff fast. Well, this is I'm what sure. the lady was telling me the other day. It's like, it's it's become a lot easier to clear the claim. And, yep. and, and even if you get a claim from a, like a library that you didn't purchase the track from, it's, I think it's as easy as being saying that you, just saying to YouTube that you have permission from the rights, hold, from the rights holder to yes. use the track. Yes. And then it's like, boom, it's cleared. Um, yes. I'm not sure you need to prove. It has to be. Yeah, because yeah, totally right. Because I don't think you need to actually prove or to to you know to, you don't have to provide the license that you got from the library yeah. to clear the claim. So yeah. it so in that case, it should be easy, relatively easy for someone to clear a claim on a track that I send them directly if it's non exclusive material, even if they get a claim from from Artlist. I guess my point was that 
my original point with Content ID here is that if you have it signed to an exclusive library, you cannot put your songs up onto Identify or claim the yeah. Content ID yourself. They are going to yeah. be getting that income, and you may or may not get part of that in your Artlist deal. You get some of that, um, but in I don't think I get any of that, or I don't know if I get any of those things. Should someone use a song that they got from the library? in a content ID. And most likely with exclusive libraries that are pushing the TV and film, it would come from a TV show using a clip from the show on YouTube and then that getting back right. through content ID and then that going back to the exclusive library. And yeah. so it wouldn't be someone just using it behind their YouTube video. It would be likely a, a use from a TV show using it as a, as a yeah. preview piece or something. Yeah, right. All right, well, let's move on to really the, the 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 bulk of why you want to be keep things non-exclusive and that is working with non-exclusive libraries and uh, artlist is at the top of that list and i think it's time that we just tell everybody not not about what you've made cuz you've made videos about that but the fact that all the blessings that come from uh being with artlist and all the pieces that you've gotten from working with this non-exclusive library talk about that for a minute yeah, well, I mean, I didn't even like. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the in my in my recap, but like the 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 library that I just you know agreed to work with, the one of the supervisors that works for that library found my my found my artist profile on Artlist, you know. So I mean, it's it's kind of like the gift that just keeps giving, um, mm -hmm. and and the reason is is that the exposures is so massive, and this is something that I I, I talked about in the last. Um, you know, YouTube video that I had about Artlist being a game changer. It really is. It really has been. And just, you know, something to keep in mind is just the fact, the mere fact that there's like between 16 and 17 million users on this platform. It's become kind of like a, a behemoth in the in the space. So I think it's just a good place to to be. And like and the fact that it's so flexible um, with the exclusivity is just is just a massive bonus. Um, I think if it were exclusive, I'd probably still want to be there because yeah, it, because of the probably. exposure. But it's it, the fact that it isn't is a is a huge bonus because it means I, I can collect, um, you know, uh, streaming royalties, um, and and I and a hundred percent of them too. You know, for the non exclusive material, it's a, I'm yeah. So you can put them on Spotify and all the DSPs and collect all that money, and you've made thousands from that so far? well yeah not thousands because it's not i'm not like doing crazy on spotify but i just got i have over a thousand dollars of royalties owed to me uh, streaming royalty royalties owed to me through DistroKid um, okay. for all the material that i put up on artlist so it's just kind of like a bonus check it's like hey here here's an extra bonus for um for the exposure that you've received through artlist because what you know what's happening is that you know content creators and people that are finding the music on artlist they just go to my spotify profile and they add my that those same tracks to their uh, user generated playlists and some of these playlists are huge like this one playlist is uh um from from seoul in korea uh added my track and it's like uh and you know it was near the top of the list and that got me tons of streams like, like it, it put my my monthly listeners up into the thousands now it's the highest it's ever been which is like I think 30 over 3000 monthly listeners and it's made it's been at that level month after month it's never it's 30,000 or 3000 no 3000 which isn't oh, a lot it's not a lot still good though it's but it's That's it's good. not nothing you know it's not nothing yep. and and I and I get people reaching out to me um you know over Instagram um over over email saying hey love your you know your tracks I'd love to you know thanks for letting you know I've used it in so and so advertisement or 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 video and and it's like that and it's it's so cool I'm just like wow these songs are really getting out there and that's But there's more that's brought besides that besides all the money from Artlist that you've gotten and your um your Spotify you've got a relationship with Artlist to work on their originals team and that and that is yeah and that and that's really what's kept me afloat for the you know for the better part of this year is just is you know the um, the option to sell um, some of my music to uh, to Artlist you know directly and 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 get money up front you know as a lot of people know Artlist only pays out the royalties once a year and that's a long time to wait for a payout it's not like Motion Array where we're getting monthly payouts um, you know I get a nice bonus from them at the end of the year but a year is a long time to wait when you got bills to pay so uh, it, you know for me what makes the most sense is is uh, writing music that's uh, I'm gonna I'm planning on selling to them and then also writing music that I that I use for myself and that I can wait on the royalties for it also 
pitch it to like you know motion array for example so i can't yeah use that's my, another that's the fourth that's thing just, you can pitch this to motion array exactly and make a whole uh other a bunch of money from those downloads. And then there's even another one, which is the relationships that have come through people finding you art. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, well, not only was, you know, did a music supervisor who was working on like, you know, a television show reach out to me because he found my tracks on Artlist. But like I said, the, you know, another library got in touch with me entirely. So, I mean, this is an entirely new set of opportunities that, that, that came about through just people, you know, trying to find the right music on Artlist is crazy to me. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I really didn't think it would it would be, uh, be you know, it would come to this, but it's been a it's been a major um, source of opportunities. It's just so multifaceted the yeah. uh, the opportunities that have come from Artlist, and and you have to look at Artlist as one of the biggest players in in the game, and they operate non exclusively. Now, th- do they have an exclusive side as well, or is it mainly well, non exclusive? Well, no, they like. Only in the sense of the uh, of the original stuff, but it, like it's not really like a typical uh, you know exclusive contract. It's like a, a full buyout. You know, it's a full buyout. Whereas if you're doing like an exclusive contract with like um, you know like a like a TV production library, uh, it's not like they're buying the tracks from you. They ju- they're just signing a contract. You're just signing a contract that says we get to pitch these tracks exclusively. They're not they don't own the material. You know, but with the with originals they they own it. They're buying gotcha. the tracks from you. So like you don't gotcha. have the, the, you don't own the masters once you've signed that contract anymore. Can you quit Artlist anytime you want? Yes. Oh, okay. See, that that is what we call a non-exclusive library where you could just say, I want to stop now and I want to do, because I'm going to, take these and take these all off your system and go do something else with them. Yeah, no, I think with most libraries, like when you do, when you request those kinds of things, it takes, they don't do it like tomorrow. It's not that day. I mean, Pond5 is, Pond5 and Audio Jungle will take stuff down day of sometimes. Right. Motion uh, Motion Array, I know, takes 30 days, I believe, to get it off of their system. Yeah. Which makes sense. But um, not that you're going to quit Artlist, but I'm just saying. Definitely no plans on quitting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, and so Motion Array falls right after that as a non-exclusive library that yeah. is is can be very profitable, and you're going getting ready to do a video about that. So I don't want to go too too on about that, but I think it's cool that Artlist allows you to put the songs that you have on Artlist, not including the ones that you do for Motion uh, Artlist originals. The probably not yeah. those, but anything that you put into Artlist, you're able to also put into Motion Array. I think that's very cool. It's so even cool. Even though they're they're the same company. It's so know, cool. Yeah, even though they're owned by they're owned by Artlist. It's, it's so funny. It's awesome. But it's just like that's this awesome. extra revenue and thank God Motion Array does monthly payouts. Yeah. Um yeah. I would and, have I would hate to have to wait for that money at the end of the year even though it would be a it would be a big paycheck. Uh, we were it, scared of that for a while. Yeah, we were scared of that for sure. I'm, I'm, so thank you Motion Array for not for not doing that. We really appreciate the monthly payouts. Uh, they helped me. And a then lot. after that, Pond Five, Audio Jungle, other non-exclusive libraries. We both yeah. know people who make big money on all of these. I still talk uh, with uh, my friend Topher, who makes he makes regular um, uh, sales on VFind still. VFind, and I've made yeah. barely a a, a one. <laughs> there yeah, yeah and same. i know there's other guys who make big who get monthly checks from 100 audio there are people yeah. who still do great on pond five and audio jungle i make a little from there yeah. but uh there's other libraries that people are making money on so um it, all of those are open to you if you're if your stuff is not exclusive now Let's move to the next piece that I think is important for having them available for every use, and that is actual personal relationships like the music supervisor who yes. contacted you, like a sync agent who has who I sent stuff to and, and I talk to regularly and regularly mm-hmm. sends me emails like, hey, Eric, you got any songs for this? But he will sit here and argue this non-exclusive point. He Talk about somebody who will argue for it. He thinks it's stupid to sign with an exclusive library because if you do Sorry, who's now there's this? a reason he does. Hmm? Who's who's this? 
This is a guy at a company that I that I sent songs to. They are more of a sync agency than they are um, a, a a library. Oh, I see. He will so, keep yeah. songs on file and kind of work as a sync agent. Basically, yeah, right, right, he right. gets and he'll email. He just emailed me last week. He goes, "Hey, you got anything for a commercial that pays twenty five hundred dollars, or you got anything for uh, this kind of thing, this Christmas song that pays fifteen thousand? You know, I need yeah. it by four o'clock." And I'm like. <laughs> If, uh, with, can, can you give me a day? No, I need by four, four yeah. o'clock today. Without a doubt, if you are in the business of pitching music to supervisors and sync agents, like you know, like uh, your friend Tamara Bubble, for example, if that's yeah, yeah. if that's your game, then signing exclusive contracts is the last thing you want to do. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, and she is a perfect example of a person who is is making a killing with a non-exclusive library that only she owns. And, uh, and I don't even think her library is only her songs. I think she has writers that she co-writes with or, or takes songs from other people. And, and most people who are these quote unquote sync agents have this, they're kind of a through way to music supervisors. They have a big long list of people. Mm -hmm. And when they have a new song, they put it out to that email list of hundreds of people. And guess what? You're likely going to find somebody who needs that song for a use. Uh, just if they, if they look at the email and read it but i'm sure the email says new hip-hop action oriented song and and what a great concept of doing that now you and i look at that and say yes i would love to do that no way i have the time to do that you know it's a thing Um, it's just like a it's like a that's a huge time commitment and it's and a strategy in and of itself that requires so much uh so much energy and focus and and like commitment too so it's like you can't just be some goofball in your in your bedroom or your your little home studio and and say this is where i'm comfortable i'll stay here thank you very much uh you have to be going to conferences and shaking hands and having lunches and having teas and having uh, conversations and just meeting people and getting their email and yeah. getting them uh, serving them and and personally serving people one at a time rather than trying to serve them on a bigger level through a, through libraries and uh, so that is a deal but that that only happens when those songs are non-exclusive because and, and you, if this guy calls me from the seek agency I was just talking about and says do you have a perfect song for I said I got a perfect song but it's with this other library he is totally not interested because he is not going to send one of his clients to another library that's going to make the money mm-hmm. he, he yeah it would make some money for me and for that for my exclusive library but he would get nothing out of the deal he's not that nice <laughs> you know he's a, his job is to make Fifty percent of the of the sync fee. Yes. Now, the beauty about sync agents is they are not interested in your publishing, and that's another plus to, to being non-exclusive. If you have a song that's non-exclusive, not signed to an exclusive library, and a commercial comes along for twelve thousand dollars, and uh, it it's gonna you're you're gonna split it with the sync agency, or maybe the sync agent may not even take half. I think he takes half, but I've heard of ones that take less than half. They take twenty five percent, and the artist gets the seventy five percent of the of the sync fee, which can be huge for for commercials especially. Yeah, and then there's back end. But he doesn't take any back end. He doesn't sign you to those deals. He he wants you to have the writers and the publisher side. What exclusive library is going to say that? Yeah, none. Yeah, because they make part of their money from the from the back end. Right, right. I mean, that's that's kind of a standard deal. Is they take the publishing side of the mm-hmm. of the of the royalty uh, stream, and you take the writer side, and that's like a, right. Pretty much what you see most of the time with these exclusive contracts. I will say that with Crucial, I believe, <clears throat> I don't know if they take the publishing side. I think they take, I think they retitle and take the publishing side of the retitle. Mm-hmm. I, but that's not taking the publishing side of anything that song makes, just the retitle. And I work with a couple of, I work with an exclusive library who retitles. So it's going to be different for every library and every contract and all that kind of stuff. But all right, now before, as we get kind of moving on this here, uh, let's talk about other incomes that don't affect your non, uh, non-exclusive catalog. Obviously, we've already talked about Spotify and DSPs. You can do whatever you want mechanically with those, uh, put those right into those sales places. Yeah. Um, sometimes, depending on, it, you can do, what it, besides art list and certain ones that might want the content ID, you can put everything in content ID that is non-exclusive in totally. your catalog and could totally control that. You can be the total controller of both the writer and the publisher side in PRO. Mm-hmm. Does Artlist get involved in your publishing side? 
with the PRO? With uh, the songs they sign? No, I collect 100% of the, the PROs from the non-exclusive stuff, and we split the PROs from the, from the, from the originals deal. All right. Well, that's. I'm not really talking about the originals thing. That's kind of like a, a, a sub thing. thing. Uh, I, I doubt everybody who's on Artlist is part of the originals thing. No, no, no. You know, right? Uh, no, yeah. It's not for. Uh, yeah, they have a lot. Probably, I'm assuming much more artists in the category of non-exclusive. But, but uh, yeah, no. You collect. Uh, you collect the the PROs. They they don't they don't collect publishing for those PROs. They, they collect no publishing, yeah. and uh, just like none of them do. Now, Pond Five. And Audio Sparks, they both have a thing where they can get involved in your publishing, and they say we'll work it harder. I doubt that's the truth, but yeah. they but they re, they also retitle, and so you're not signing over the actual you know uh, songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They retitle right. it. This is so they're only getting that publisher side on the retitled. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. That's still cool because that way, if you get it, if I do get it in a big TV show by myself through a com through a music supervisor or a sync agent i'll get all the publishing you get a, you get and 100%. i'll get all the writers yeah. to totally and that's that's, so, that's such an important point that the library that i'm just signing on with right now is, is works the same way they retitle everything so like it's and it's not as that one certain contract they have is totally non-exclusive so if someone yeah like if a supervisor comes to me directly for if i pitch that music to them then i would be collecting all of it uh you know yeah. they don't have to um yeah the retitling thing is is a cool is a cool little uh and it's aspect. it's frowned upon by some people is actually it? but i i don't see a problem with it personally um <clears throat> so then we have things like overhead or business type music where businesses come to you and want to use your music or want to use it in systems that are going to be heard in stores and things like that. You have public performance. We haven't even talked about you mm -hmm. going out and playing these songs. Are there libraries that are exclusive and say, don't, you know, you can't sing these out because for whatever reason they could, these libraries that are exclusive can make their own contracts and do whatever they want and tell you, you know, you can't do this or that. Mm -hmm. um, also, with my non-exclusive contracts, I can choose to limit the countries that collect PRO for certain deals. Like I have been asked by some libraries that say, hey, would you do me a favor and, and write something to, um, to BMI that says do not collect from this company, from these songs in this country. Okay just because they want to be free to get the license and be somewhat exclusive in their country. Well, if these, you know, that's something I can do now that, that could be something you want to do or you don't want to do. That's up to you. But so it's kind of like limited exclusivity, you know, you can limit and that's just the PRO side though, yeah. not the sync side or any, any of the upfront side, um, beat licensing, st putting stuff in gaming stores. All of these things are things that you can do with non-exclusive songs that aren't tied anywhere. You have complete control and publishing of all your songs as we've talked about mm -hmm. uh, through your PROs. And you can do specialty deals with clients or friends or anything you want. I just think there are so many um, so many pluses to, to non-exclusive. I just thought it was important that we, we make a a little, we have a little conversation about this. And I, I know you might be listening to this now and going, but what? why then would we ever want to do exclusive libraries? And there is a case for that, which maybe we'll do uh, uh, that. Or you could just go to Jesse's channel at SyncMyMusic.com and he will make that case for you. Well, there's, cer you there's the certainly opportunities in the exclusive you know, side of like, you know, TV and production libraries. I mean, if you get you know, some of these... Some of these placements that you can get on these networks are only going to come about through exclusive contracts with these libraries, mm -hmm. and and some of those are you know are absolutely there's no doubt about it they can lead to uh, substantial royalty income over time, um, but yeah it's Plus, uh, it's like I said earlier it's it's just a tougher sell it's a tougher sell for me because you're not only are you it's are you rolling the dice. Um, you're not sure whether you're going to get your music placed at all. You're signing an exclusive contract. You can't do anything else with these songs. And not only that, but if it does get placed, you're not going to see that money for a while because the PRO payouts are always like, you know, mm -hmm. SoCan here up in Canada is like, I'm getting payouts for last year. I mean, it's like, absolutely it's, it's nine really to 12 slow. months. Yeah. And, um, but uh, the, the boutique libraries, the, the exclusive libraries likely will do more pitching 
uh, yes. than most non-exclusive libraries That's because true. they are the only people with these songs. They want to they want to shout that from the mountaintops. Yeah. And also, uh, like one of the libraries I'm with is tied to BMG. Well, BMG will go through all their libraries and make specialty emails out to their clients. Hey, do you know we have a bunch of country stuff and, and here are the libraries that have this. You can go listen to those. And so our... Yeah. Yeah. Um, is Artless doing that, or is it Artless just putting these up on their site and saying, here are the songs, search and find them? And I would imagine they're more of a library in that way, right? I mean, or do you 100%. think they are? They don't know. need to really pitch because they have so many eyeballs on the site. Um, yeah. Whereas these smaller boutique libraries, exactly like you said, they're incentivized to pitch because that's mm -hmm. where they, that's how they make their money. You know, that's how they keep the business running. Uh, whereas Artless makes their money from from subscriptions. Um, from millions of um, of users, so it's not right. like they're incentivized to pitch in the same way. They're not a small team. They're, they're I'm, I'm imagine they're a pretty big team. Um, yeah. yeah. So so that's that is absolutely a reason, uh, a bonus for working with a more exclusive library. If you get the right one, then it's, it could absolutely be worth it to, to to sign an exclusive contract with them, just on the on the basis of the, them taking your music and pitching it hard and you might find opportunities that you that you otherwise would never have found uh, if you just put it on exclusive libraries or a non-exclusive library so good point and it's also important to note that perpetuity is not with every library not only one everyone. of the exclusive yeah. libraries I work with do I not get stuff back if it doesn't get used so mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. a year or two into some deals that I'll get the stuff back in a year or two if I want it back, and I likely will take it back uh, if nothing has happened with it with that particular library and pitch it to other places or keep it as part of my non-exclusive library and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I'll just kind of end this saying that I think my goal is to kind of have a um, probably higher than 50-50, probably more 60-40 uh, non-exclusive to exclusive, maybe even 70-30. Uh, exclusive to non-exclusive, I mean non-exclusive 70%, 30% not exclusive because I, I want to be able to have control over a lot of those and have a lot of songs working for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I and but I do I do believe in exclusive libraries. I don't think I'm not against them at all. Obviously, I'm still I'm getting ready to sign with a new one and I don't know what the what the things will be, but if they tell me perpetuity and uh, and uh, you know, and do the normal 50-50 deal. I likely sign it, you know, because that was the whole reason I made those songs in the first place is to get another deal. And with getting that, I can continue to pitch them song ideas and 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 album ideas and things like that, and get more and more like I have with my other um, BMG library that I'm with. I continue to get new albums in with them all the time. And so, mm -hmm. um, I think I play both sides and. Um, I'm just I'm just looking at this thinking I think there's a, a, a very good argument for making uh, sure that you have a large non-exclusive catalog. So. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I mean, for me, it would be at least 70, 30 if I was, you know, uh, moving towards trying to find more opportunities in, in with TV production libraries and, and agreeing to sign these uh um, uh, these con these types of contracts because you know it's that's where I'm at right right now it's a hundred percent I'm in the exclusive non-exclusive market and it's working out really well for me so you know um, I and I'm only I can only produce so much music you know so I have to be careful about um, what I'm doing with it but I'm totally open to the idea of uh, signing exclusive contracts if I if I am trusting that the the people who are taking on uh, my music are going to do uh, active pitching and it's going to find its way into um, interesting new opportunities it's absolutely something I'm open to um, but uh, yeah still kind of working my way there because I mean so far I'm just uh, I've got my hands full with uh, my non-exclusive material and it's it's yeah. working out okay for me but um, yeah the door is always open to uh, to new opportunities so I always try to keep an open mind with it. Cool. Well, I think that's all I have for this episode. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you have more questions about uh, exclusivity, non-exclusivity, working with libraries and stuff, make sure you put it in the comments below. I'm sure this will be an interesting one as we premiere for people to talk about. We'll premiere this uh, you're watching this right now if we did. And, uh, and and so if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you go uh, to the to the YouTube video of this broadcast and, and give us any comments uh, you can. 
we'd love to hear them on that. So also, yeah. And if all this is, is sounds like a bit confusing, uh, uh, especially with the PRO stuff and all that thing, uh, all that kind of thing, uh, I recommend joining the Discord uh, server because there's Absolutely. just so many knowledgeable folks in there who are working with all sorts of different libraries. Uh, it's a really helpful community, and even I myself have you know regularly go there and ask questions. And you know, if it, it, I see if it, I see that other people are working with uh, companies, and and you know, if you want to get a little um, inside intel on 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 the different types of you know companies and contracts that exist out there, I mean, that's a great community. I think there's almost like there's almost 800 people in it now. It's crazy. It's huge. Yeah, it's going. Um, it's it's and, crazy and. So good to to you can get free feedback there. You can exactly, you can yeah. get uh, on your music. You can ask any question you want in a variety of music income categories, not yes. just licensing. But we we do talk a lot about sync licensing, and we talk a lot about uh, stock music licensing there, and content ID and taxi and all the things. We talk about all those things there. So mm -hmm. come there, ask your questions, and it's free, absolutely free. And, um, and then all our, you'll find that below in the description of the podcast or the description of the video, the disc, the discord link and all our sites where Steve and I are doing videos to try to describe all this stuff to you and explain how all <laughs> these things are working for us at least. Yep. And, uh, and we'll, we'll give you the, the skinny on what's happening. So totally. thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Yeah. See you next time guys. Bye. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there, and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.